The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network show and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and as I like to remind you each and every week, I am the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hood Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes an excellent newsletter called What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? And if you'd like to be a, a candidate to subscribe to that letter, I, I say a candidate because Chen is not taking subscriptions now. He will do so at the start of the next quarter. Uh, you need to put your name on a waiting list, and you can go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com to do that. You can also go to miningstocks.com to sign up for my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and tech stocks, and I do hope to talk to you about a couple of my, oh, two or three of my favorite, uh, well, let's say companies that I recently, uh, or last week, in fact, suggested people take a good hard look at, a couple of things that I find very, very exciting. I might also like to just tell you that I think right now is one of the most exciting times that I've seen in a long time to buy junior gold mining stocks. Well, it may not feel that way because uh, the gold share sector has been in the tank now for nearly two years. It's been a very, very difficult time. But as I look at the overall picture, as I look at what's going on in the global economy, I have to tell you that there isn't a lot of reason for optimism. Now, I'm talking to you. Uh, as one who observes the world through the eyes of Austrian economics, not Keynesian economics. I've, I was trained in Keynesian economics. I was brought up uh, with my degree at Rutgers University. Yes, I learned all the right answers uh, from a Keynesian perspective, but I believe that Keynesian economics is one big fat lie and that it is causing us an enormous amount of difficulty and, and destruction in the United States economy and the global economy because Keynes taught us that we can have something for nothing. We don't have to work. We don't have to save. We can just uh, print money. We can just deficit spend our way to prosperity. Well, that is a big, fat lie, and I think, it is, I think the fact that that's a falsehood is starting to be confirmed. Whether or not the establishment wants to recognize the truth or not is another issue, 
But those who look at the world through more objective uh, eyes, I think, can easily see that things are not working out, just as Roosevelt's Treasury Secretary said after, uh, during the Great Depression, he said after eight, uh, two administrations, after two years, uh, uh, eight, I mean, after eight years, the Roosevelt administration uh, practicing its Keynesian economics had as much unemployment as it had when it started and had a lot of debt, a huge amount of debt to boot. So we didn't learn anything. Uh, the only thing that Milton Friedman and, and Ben Bernanke believe is they didn't do enough, quick enough. They didn't ever question the policies themselves. It was just a matter of, well, we needed to do more. We didn't do it well enough. We didn't execute well enough in the 1930s. So uh, Milton Friedman uh, or Ben Bernanke promised Milton Friedman before Friedman passed away that he wouldn't let it happen again. This time, uh, the Federal Reserve would most certainly uh, do it right. Well, they're doing it right, all right. They're pumping huge amounts of money, trillions and trillions of dollars into the economy, far more than anybody would have ever expected, and it isn't working. Now, they can uh, t- twist uh, and turn and provide all kinds of false uh, numbers to try to claim it's working, and I'll talk to you about that in uh, just a moment or two. Uh, but before we get to that, I do want to uh, thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. And I want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. For the first hour of today's show, our sponsors are Timmins Gold, Bravada Gold Corp., Golden Arrow Resources, Miranda Gold, Paramount Gold, Sand Gold, Uranium Energy Corp., and a new sponsor today is SGX Resources. And I'll talk to you a little bit more about SGX Resources in a, in a moment or two. Uh, just a, a recap, a real quick recap. Timmins Gold at $2.62, uh, 14, $14.3 million profit for the first quarter. This is a company I think you should really put on your radar screen as a growing gold producer in Mexico at San Francisco Mine, doing extremely well. Bravada Gold is admittedly more speculative. I own a lot of shares of Bravada Gold. Yes, I bought them at $0.06. Cents. They're selling at $0.02. Cents. And it's a risky investment. Well, of course it is. But I look at the fundamentals, and I talk about Bravada in my newsletter. I think Bravada has enormous upside potential. Could we lose everything we put into it? Yes, that's possible. Uh, you know, but I think also with a rebound in the gold share price in, in the gold markets and the silver markets, that there will be new life breathed into many of these companies. Golden Arrow Resources. I visited with the management when I was in Vancouver a week or so ago. That Chinchillas property in Mexico, I'm convinced more than ever, is on its way to becoming a world class silver deposit. And I'll be talking to uh, to Golden Arrow again sometime in the near future. Certainly, we'll be writing about him in my newsletter. Miranda Gold is a project generator. Some exciting things going on there. They just signed on with Agneagle Eagle as a strategic partner in Colombia. Paramount Gold and Silver, nearly 10 million ounces, gold equivalent ounces between two different properties in Mexico and the sleeper mine in Nevada. Very worth uh, looking at. Sand Gold, I believe, is a candidate for a major turnaround. Uh, Dale Ginn uh, has been on the show. We'll be talking to him or someone uh, else in the management of sand gold in the near future uh, for reasons that I think it's, it's, it's a good turnaround candidate selling at 17 cents, 335 million shares outstanding. Uranium Energy, one of the new producers of uranium in the United States, one of the few in recent decades. Amir Adnani heads that up as he also heads up Brazil Resources. We talked to Amir last week about Brazil Resources, a remarkable company, I think, on its way to becoming worth a lot. And SGX Resources, as I, as I say, I want to thank them for becoming a 
sponsor today on our show. 126.9 million shares is outstanding. Selling at only six and a half cents. This is another company that Dale Ginn is involved with. They've made some very good discoveries, gold discoveries, uh, some very good gold intercepts announced uh, in Ontario along the prolific Greenstone Belt there and uh, near Timmins, Ontario. Uh, yeah, six and a half cents. Uh, you say, why would you buy a thing like that? Well, the reason, I believe, is because they could very well be on to a major gold deposit in a part of the world that's known for that. Uh, high risk, yes, but high return also. That's the mix. That's the trade-off. High risk, high return. You can't have one without the other. But what we try to do in my newsletter and on this show is to find companies that give you a good, uh, good risk-reward trade-off in, in your favor. Now, let's talk about today's show. Uh, we've got Chris Kerr and Michael Evans. They'll be with me for the first time. Uh, and Gene Epstein, uh, who is with me uh, usually once a month, is going to be here to talk about the latest New York City Junto and also about the housing market, which he wrote about in Barron's last weekend. Um, you know, recently I met up with Judge Andrew Napolitano here in New York. And he told me that he believes the Obama, the, that Obama may go the way of Richard Nixon, that is, towards a, uh, an impeachment or uh, leaving office uh, under, the, uh, under, those kinds, under, under that kind of a cloud. Well, I expect to have Judge Napolitano on the show. He's agreed to come on this show sometime in the near future. Uh, but this week and, and later today, I'm going to be talking to former FBI agent, now defense attorney, Chris Kerr, uh, who will discuss the use of the IRS by the Obama administration to suppress the constitutional rights expressed by the Tea Party movement, and I think we're going to talk to uh, Chris about a number of other issues as well, having to do with the FBI and our own uh, our own uh, security here in the United States. Chris was one who uh, warned about uh, backpacks, uh, uh, bombs, uh, long before it happened recently in Boston, uh, two, three years ago. He was warning about it and wrote a legal paper. He is now a lawyer. Um, and a defense attorney, actually. So I'm going to look forward to talking to Chris Kerr. But um, also, we're going to be talking to Michael Evans. He is also a show host uh, for America's Voice Now is the name of his show. Very interesting man who's going to talk to us about, uh, well, on the topic of the impeachment of President Obama. Uh, he'll talk to us about uh, the reasons he thinks that, uh, that that's a, a likelihood, or he's going to, we're going to ask him if he thinks it is a likelihood. I'm not quite sure that he thinks it's likely or if he thinks it should be. Uh, but he'll have his reasons that certainly a very outspoken man who feels very strongly about a lot of things that are going on. I suppose you would have to characterize him as being uh, from the right wing or for the right side of the political spectrum in any event. But whatever it is, uh, we're going to talk to Michael Evans uh, about that. Uh, and, um, well, we're going to have to go now to a break. But when we come back, Gene Epstein will be with us uh, to talk about uh, – well, to talk about the housing markets and the next New York City Junto. Don't go away. I'll be right back with Gene Epstein. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Windfall profits happen frequently in gold exploration stocks, but the risk of losses are also common. Miranda Gold enhances prospects of shareholder gains by combining the intellectual capital of geologists, mine finders Ken Cunningham and Joe Herbert with other people's hard dollars in search for elephant-sized gold deposits in politically safe places like Nevada and Columbia. That keeps shareholder dilution to a minimum, so when discoveries are made, major gains are possible. For more, go to MirandaGold.com. 
Nevada Gold Corporation controls 18 exploration and development properties covering nearly 50 square miles in Nevada's well-known gold trends. Its flagship Wind Mountain Gold Silver Project is 100% owned and had an independent updated resource estimate and positive preliminary economic assessment in early 2012. This past September, Bravada signed an agreement with Argonaut Gold to further explore and develop Wind Mountain. For further information, please visit bravadagold.com. Attention mining investors, Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil, surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000 ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil, led by recognized mining executive Amir Adnani, chairman. Check out Brazil Resources or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me again Gene Epstein, who writes a wonderful column every week, or almost every week anyway, in Barron's, and uh, and he also does a great job of uh, reviewing books and talking of, about books and Barron's. Uh, he also does a great job of heading up the uh, New York City Junto meetings that I, I attend almost every month whenever I'm able to, uh, and uh, there's going to be one coming up this Thursday uh, at the General Society Library. That's a 20 West 44th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues. It's very near the Grand Central Terminal, so it's easy enough to get there if you're anywhere near the metropolitan area. And I would really urge those of you who have the ability to come into Midtown Manhattan to consider doing so because the uh, the guests uh, that Gene has there are, are outstanding. Uh, if you enjoy a good intellectual stimulation, this is a place to go and it doesn't cost much at all. In fact, it's free. So uh, really uh, glad to have Gene with me again. Welcome, Gene. Uh, nice to be back. Really good to have you. Uh, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, a headline that you uh, brought out. You you wrote this last week uh, about the housing market in uh, in Barrons. I thought you had some great insights there. Uh, you know, we're hearing an awful lot of uh, of optimistic talk about how things are really on the mend in the housing market, and you had a different take. And so I want to I want you to talk about that. But before we get to that, tell us who your guest is uh, this coming week uh, at the New York City Junto. Uh, guest will be uh, co-CEO of Whole Foods, John Mackey, who uh, has co-authored a book called Conscious Capitalism, and uh, I think it's an important book. I think that uh, it makes excellent points about how capitalism has a branding problem, and uh, in my line of questioning, I'm going to be interviewing John Mackey uh, for about two hours, inviting, of course, questions from the audience as well. Uh, my line will be first, uh, the importance of his message 
message that indeed uh, conscious capitalists, uh, people who've read Adam Smith about the invisible hand, know that that hand is now visible to them, that by doing well in business, they're doing good for society, and uh, that capitalism's branding problem can be overcome if businessmen like Mackey and others uh, point that out and promote uh, the values that they believe in when they sell food or whatever else they do for a living. But I believe that there are problems with the way Mackey conveys his message, and I'm going to challenge him on some of those aspects. As, for example, his feeling, apparently, that all corporations should be philanthropic. Uh, now, uh, I'm going to agree with Milton Friedman that what a company knows best is how to market, how to sell its own product, how to manufacture its own product, and any excess funds it has would probably promote the, the general good far more if that money were spent on enhancing its business rather than on presuming uh, to know how to how to be charitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, capitalism certainly does have a problem in terms of getting the people to understand why uh, why it works best for the most number of people, why it is the most efficient way to allocate scarce resources and to get the most out of an economy. I, I don't know why. I guess it's easier, Gene, to understand Robin Hood economics, you know. You put a gun to somebody's head who's rich and you take his money and give it to someone who's poor. That's pretty simple. But uh, but it's not that difficult, I would uh, maintain, to understand economics if it was only taught in our schools, if it was free markets were explained in our in our classrooms. Uh, by the time kids get to the eighth grade, they could understand this, except it's just not taught. In any event, I, I really look forward to that discussion. Once again, would really like to recommend to our listeners that they try to attend these meetings at the New York City, uh, the New York City Junto meetings, and that's this coming up this Thursday at the General Society Library, 20 West 44th Street, between 5th and 6th Avenues. I'll be there. Gene will be there, this, the guest speaker, and there's lots of other very uh, insightful, intelligent people that go there. So if you if you like intellectual stimulation, it's definitely a place to go. Well, Gene, I want to talk to you then about your latest uh, headline uh, article, I guess you'd, I call it an article. It's a piece, uh, an editorial that you wrote about the housing market. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, and uh, you're not so you're not quite as upbeat about the housing market as we might hear some of the people talk about on CNBC and Bloomberg and elsewhere. Why not? Well, because it's built on government steroids to an unusual uh, degree. Uh, I, I'm not predicting anything like uh, the housing bubble that uh, brought the economy down in uh, 2007, 8, and 9. Uh, that has yet to form, even though I have some fears uh, down the road that it could form, which I could explain in a moment. Uh, but uh, one, of the, one of the most obvious things about uh, the rebound in housing, which I think has to some degree occurred, uh, that rebound is built on uh, a a mortgage interest rate that at least until last week, I don't know if it's going up, until last week was at a 100-year low, Mm -hmm. uh, built on not just uh, the aggressive uh, intervention of government in all kinds of ways, but uniquely uh, the uh, aggressive intervention of Ben Bernanke's Federal Reserve, uh, which has been buying mortgage debt and assiduously keeping the mortgage interest rate at around 3.5%. Again, uh, maybe uh, that'll slip through their fingers, but for quite a while, it's been uh, at 100-year lows. And 3.5% is dirt cheap. Uh, and as recently as the noughts, uh, 2005, 2006, the uh, mortgage interest rate was around 6%. Uh, 
percent. And if it does uh, quickly trend back toward that not so high level of about six percent, uh, the cost of financing is going to jump by about a third. And uh, once the cost of financing jumps by about a third, then it will become more costly for people to buy homes, and uh, the price appreciation could uh, could be cut dead in its tracks. Uh, the boom in sales could be cut dead in the track in, in its tracks. Once this bargain basement rate that the Fed, uh, by pushing its foot down on the mortgage interest rate, has been maintaining, once this bargain basement rate disappears, as inevitably it has to. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what will happen then is another matter. But that's the key point. Uh, we also uh, have the problem that uh, over 90% of all the mortgages are still being bought by government mm-hmm. that, or guaranteed by government. Um, about one-third of all these uh, mortgages, new mortgages that are being issued, at least a third, uh, has been uh, our FHA and, and, and VA uh, mortgages that uh, have uh, down payments of between 0 and 4%. So a huge portion, at least a third of the market, is essentially people buying on margin, very thin margin. Imagine uh, the stock market had margin requirements of 0 to 4%, mm. depending on who you are. Uh, that, uh, that would uh, certainly fuel a, a stock market a b- a boom way beyond what we've seen. So we have all of this, uh, all of these uh, government steroids that are supporting the market, and the one uh, certainly that uh, that is not going to last is the uh, is a, is the hundred year low in the mortgage interest rate. So it, clearly, it's it's an unstable, sickly, not exactly inspiring recovery of housing that we're looking at. That's the best case that we're looking at. That it's that it's going to peter out. It's not going to be very not going to contribute much to the economy. Oh, well, Gene, uh, explain to me what yeah. would cause interest rates to rise. I know we had a, a very spirited discussion at a New York City Junto meeting yeah. uh, a few min- a few months back. One uh, one member there, uh, I won't mention his name, was very very uh, very very uh, convinced that you didn't have to worry about rising interest rates. What would cause interest rates to rise if Mr. Bernanke can continue to send endless amounts of money without restriction, trillions upon trillions of dollars, uh, to buy up federal uh, to buy up um, debt? What what would cause interest rates to rise? Well, uh, I should say that uh, I'm, I don't predict interest rates, and uh, so uh, I'm not saying the interest rates will inevitably rise. Uh, uh-huh. I can't predict what Bernanke will do. Uh, however, uh, I would say that there is a definite that we that we know a couple of things. We know uh, that at least at this juncture, at least interest rates are below where the free market uh, would put them. For that sure. seems to be a no-brainer. One would think. As a matter of fact, sometimes we don't even know that. Uh, because there's so much uh, price fixing in the interest rate by the Federal Reserve, we're not even sure, and Business Bank can't even be sure where uh, that that important price signal really would be. But uh, Bernanke himself has uh, has stated that he recognizes the danger of perpetually keeping uh, uh, long-term interest rates down. He himself plans to taper, as he puts it. He he himself plans to ease up. Now he. he he at least re- realizes that if he doesn't eventually do that, that if he uh, brings about the Keynesian dream of, of, z- of perpetually uh, zero interest rates on the on the short end and three and a half percent on the long end, if he perpetually does that, then we'll have an explosion from another standpoint. We will indeed have an explosion of price inflation sooner or later. 
if that continues, just the starters of that kind of explosion. Mm -hmm. So he knows he's got to back off in any case. So that's the reason why I would I would imagine that Bernanke uh, himself is going to start easing up um, because um, he he sees that handwriting on the wall. I will give him that much credit. So again, that will mean that simply that the more that that, that the mortgage interest rate, which over a thirty year period certainly should be higher than three and a half percent, certainly on homes uh, should be higher than three and a half percent in any rational market, will trend up. That's a danger. Again, only a danger. Uh, that that if it does go, and I, I chose six percent, uh, more or less arbitrarily, but only six percent, it could go to seven percent, could go eight eight percent. But six percent is reasonably conservative because it's what we had as recently as oh six oh five, six six percent on conventional mortgages. So that's where it could go, and that's the kind of risk we're facing. Well, Gene, you know, as one yeah. who paid seventeen and a half percent for my first mortgage back yeah. in the <laughs> early eighties, six percent still seems very tame and. and it within is, yeah. reason mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Bernanke's major concern has always been more about deflation, and he seems to have such a concern about deflation. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what's so bad about falling prices, Gene? I think yeah. if I were a young person wanting to buy a home, I'd love to see those home prices fall a bit. Well, Okay, I'm going to agree with you, by the way. Um, I think that, uh, it, that, that even the very terminology that we use, deflation, inflation, I, tr- I try to use the terms price inflation mm-hmm. and uh, price deflation if I have to use the words deflation or inflation at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I believe that there is a, the, the, that the danger from deflation, which is defined by the Austrians as a contraction in the money supply, is definitely very real. But, there, but in a free market, uh, there should be no danger whatsoever in falling prices. However, with that said, uh, let me at, le- at least disagree with you to this extent. If you have a, a market, a uh, housing market in particular, uh, that is that expects, and for so many years, means that institutionalized into the housing market is the expectation that prices will, will be at least about stable or rise, uh, then people take on debt uh, that's excessive and Relation to the value of the collateral, and they and they get underwater. Mm-hmm. And so the only the only wrenching change uh, that uh, that would have to be made if people understood that we can easily prosper, as indeed we did in the late 1800s, uh, with price levels falling uh, a couple of percentage points every year, and even other prices falling a lot more, uh, is that we have to get used to the fact that the collateral on a house has got to be valued accordingly. That, that bankers and others, who of course are to, to, to a large extent have even lose, lost the art of banking because they're so in league with government and mm-hmm. lack such perspective, that the collateral has to be understood that maybe in 10 years it's going to be worth less and the mortgages have to be, uh, have, have to be uh, assigned in accordance with that uh, expectation. The fact that they're not would mean we're going to have, we, could have, we would have a wrenching change in the housing market if house prices, say, fell by a few percentages, percentage points every year. Gene, you know, I think uh, uh, we've only got a couple of minutes yeah. left, but there's so much more to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. I had this this whole notion that Bernanke is more worried about deflation than inflation. Mm-hmm. I guess he's he's believing and has believed that you can always cut off inflation at the path. You know, that, that'd that be a no-brainer. Volcker did it in, mm-hmm. in 1980, 1981, well, 82. Do you agree? I mean, do you see it mm-hmm. that way? Is I mean, well, how easy would it be? Let's suppose that interest rates start to rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
let's suppose that forces start, you know, prices start to rise, and you still have all this indebtedness, enormous amounts of indebtedness out there. Uh, it w- how easy would it be for Mr. Bernanke to put on the brakes? I mean, politically well, speaking, uh, it seems to me very difficult. Well, okay. I mean, uh, how easy would it be for him to put on the brakes? I'm sorry, you, uh, you, I, I thought you said that Bernanke, it's what you said earlier, that Bernanke recognizes uh, that you can, uh, you, you can break the back of a double-digit inflation. Yeah. Um, but of course, he knows, at least I, I give him, again, give him credit for certain knowledge. He knows full well that that happened under Volcker by bringing about a double-digit unemployment again, by right. bringing about a major recession. Right. So he knows that as well, and that's the reason why he does not want uh, inflation, uh, price inflation to get out of hand. Mm-hmm. My, my, only, my only point is that I think Bernanke inevitably will ease up, uh, that Bernanke is unlikely uh, to, to bring to be complacent if price inflation begins to rise toward five, six, and seven percent, uh, he's going to start easing up even before then. Uh, but uh, there's no—I mean, again, untangling your points. There's no question that Bernanke is myopic in thinking uh, that general CPI uh, or any conventionally measured uh, price decline, uh, or you want to say price deflation, is bad. Yeah. Uh, that is ridiculous. Uh, a, a healthy economy would actually have a situation in which prices do decline every year because mm-hmm. output would rise by about 7%, the money supply maybe about by about 4% uh, in, a, in a free market in money, and prices would fall by about 3% a year, um, as, as indeed house prices and real estate prices would fall as well. And all of that would be a thriving economy. Right. Bernanke doesn't understand that. No, well, you're talking like a true Austrian uh, yeah. economist, Gene, and I appreciate that. That's what we, uh, free market economics, uh, Milton Friedman understood it, except I would argue he didn't understand it very well in monetary well, issues. Well, yeah, no, he honored it in the brief. Now, Milton Friedman, as great as he was and as much as I had him, uh, really believed uh, 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 that it was holy, uh, a holy war against price declines. He didn't. That's one thing he did not understand. He thought the prices, price level should be, remain stable. Um, he didn't, unfortunately, see that you could have a thriving economy with prices declining. Uh, that was one of his limitations, as great as he was. Gene, you know, just one more quick question, and we got to run here. But uh, when we're talking about, um, you know, governments, our government is looking for tax dollars wherever it can get it now, right? I mean, that uh, we've, we've got this huge deficit and they want to tax us. Do you see any possibility, getting back to the mortgage market, that they would take mortgage uh, interest rate, interest deductions away from homeowners in the U.S.? Well, uh, now I put on the hat that doesn't really fit on my head, uh, you know, the, the political pundit. Uh, I, I imagine you and I would be very surprised if they did that. They've curbed it over the years to some degree. I mean, I'm even trying to remember, I think it has to do with your second or third home, uh, the limitations on mortgage deduction on those homes. But uh, uh, it seems to be another one of those sacred cows, third rails uh, of, of, of the American tax system. Uh, I think you'd have to have a lot of other radical changes. You and I might welcome, of, uh, of course, uh, in order to bring about uh, an abolition of the mortgage interest deduction. Well, uh, we'll have to leave it go at that because we're out of time, Gene. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. And folks, uh, come and see Gene and myself and, and uh, more importantly, the guest speaker at the General Society Library, 20 West 44th Street, between 5th and 6th Avenues. Uh, that's this coming Thursday, 730, I believe, Gene, is when the show gets underway, right? With John Mackey of Whole Foods. 
Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you very much, Gene, for being with us again. Folks, don't go away. I'm going to be right back with Michael Evans, who will talk to me about the possibility of an impeachment of President Obama. You know, recently I was in New York and I met up with Judge Napolitano, uh, and he suggested that Mr. Obama could go by go the way of, of Richard Nixon. Well, well, we'll hear what Michael Evans has to say and, and hear what his justification, what his belief is uh, with respect to those prospects. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Michael Evans. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Golden Arrow Resources on the TSX Exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6,500-meter program on that discovery. A maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in April of this year. The project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. Paramount Gold is a U.S.-based exploration company with multi-million ounce advanced stage gold and silver projects in the mining-friendly jurisdictions of Nevada and northern Mexico, backed by a strategic investor and a strong balance sheet. An experienced management team has completed preliminary economic assessments on both projects, showing robust economics and immense potential for increasing ounces and mine life. For more information, go to ParamountGold.com or follow on Twitter, PZG News. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time Michael Evans. Mr. Evans uh, was raised in the New York City, New York, uh, New York, New Jersey, New York City metropolitan area, where he built a professional career in wireless tele- telecommunications uh, with Verizon Wireless. Well, that happens to be uh, the company that's bringing you my voice right now. Uh, Nortel Networks, he also worked with in Lucent Technologies. Uh, he moved to the Missouri Ozarks region in 2002 and consulted in telecommunications while simultaneously opening a family sporting goods store. So he's been a real entrepreneur as well as a, as a communications guy. Michael is the founder and host of America's Voice Now. That's a hard-hitting radio program broadcast in Missouri with live streaming video of each episode and subsequent posting uh, on the show's uh, on the show's YouTube channel. America's Voice Now, uh, its tagline is delivering the truth over mainstream propaganda uh, with a consistent mantra of educate, inform, motivate, and activate. Uh, and the, the show is responsible for significant legislation uh, uh, legislative successes in Missouri and nationally. Uh, as a driving force for change, Michael doesn't simply do analysis and commentary on news stories and issues facing our, our states and nation. He works to provide a plan of action. 
So it's really good to have you, Michael. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jay, for having me on. I appreciate it. It's a wonderful opportunity for for, uh, me to uh, speak with your listeners. Well, I, I really appreciate that, and I must say that I wasn't very familiar with your work until today, earlier today, when I started preparing uh, in more detail for today's discussion. Uh, we want to talk about, is impeachment inevitable? Uh, that that yes. is the, uh, your publicist came to me with that topic. Um, um, you know, I, I might phrase the question, should impeachment be inevitable? And we'll, I want to get your Im- impression on that. Uh, first of all, I mean, is impeachment inevitable? Probably is a different question in in terms of, uh, than should impeachment be inevitable. But, you know, and I want to get to that issue. But in, pre- in preparation for today's show, I Googled you and found a very interesting YouTube video of you doing one of your radio shows. And I guess, as I understood, as I understand it, all your shows are on YouTube? Yes, they are. Yeah, there's a, okay. I have a YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash America's Voice Now. And um, basically every show that we do is posted live up there for folks to, to watch afterwards or, or whatever the case may be. And um, uh, th- that the one that you called was one of those. Okay, well, I would like to suggest to our listeners right now that you check out Michael's shows and, and do it on YouTube. Um, okay, so a main issue that you talked about on this clip that I saw was uh, that, the, that there are new military rules uh, that, that you were under, understandably outraged. I was outraged when I saw it as well. Um, so for the education and benefit of our listeners, can you discuss these new rules that the military has put into effect uh, and and perhaps also tell us what your source of information is, because this is the first time I've heard about that. Yeah, there, there are a number, and there are quite a few initiatives that are actually going on within the military right now. And they're not just limited to the military, though, Jay. Um, some of these initiatives are limiting uh, speech by individuals within the military, but also external to the military. If you're not familiar with it, um, the, the, the Department of Justice has recently kind of indicated that uh, going forward, any kind of anti uh, dis- or, or, or uh, speech related to anti-Islamicization of the United States, or um, that would be speaking out against a radical Islam, would also become now listed as a hate crime. I mean, wow. this was out. Of, this was out in news media yesterday. So um, this is this is general knowledge now at this point. This is not something that you know I'm breaking news on. Uh, this is this has been out for uh, for the last couple of days now. And now, let, let me just stop you there. Michael, can I just stop you there? Just a thought came to me now. Suppose, you know, I was, I was, I'm a post-World War II baby, but I cannot right. imagine that it would have been a hate crime during World War II to say bad things about Hitler or bad things about Nazism. Absolutely not. And, and the concept here is that this is limited to the issues of, of uh, Islam and Islamicization of the United States, where... You are uh, basically told that it's not a, it's not a problem if you want to if you want to toss Christianity or another religion under the bus, but you can't talk negatively about Islam. Wow! And that is, you know, for all intents and purposes, I can't find anything that would be more um, more uh, abusive of uh, you know our First Amendment rights and our and our free speech rights to be able to have an open discussion uh, relating to you know issues surrounding something as important as. Who is in control of our country? Who's in control of our legal system? Because one of the drives here is the is uh, the, the concept of you know introducing Sharia law, and um, you know the, the the idea of being able to have open discussions about that without being fearful for your safety or your or your legal status is just unconscionable. Well, it's incredible. 
I mean, it's just I mean, it's, it's 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 just absolutely incredible. I mean, that you could you 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 can say anything you want about Christianity or Judaism or Hinduism or anything else, but the minute you say one thing bad about about this, what I think is a god awful religion, I mean, it's a, it's a thing that just is go takes us back to the dark ages, if anything does. And if you say something bad about that, then you've committed. I guess I just committed a hate crime. I don't hate Muslims. I, I've had, we've had, we've had Islamic friends in in Woodside, Queens, when we lived over there. The wonderful people. So I don't hate them as a group for at all. But that right. they can come into my country and tell me how what I can say and what I can't say. Well, you know what's interesting about it, Jay, is that here we are in a situation where uh, when when they're in the minority, they demand absolute tolerance, and yet as soon as they become the majority. All tolerance ceases. <laughs> you know, it's total line or else. Uh, you can, you know, go to an Islamic country and find out exactly how you're accepted right. over there. As soon as you speak out about it, you're either flogged, you're beaten, you're imprisoned, or you're killed. And so this is Bill Killian, a U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Tennessee, who uh, will be speaking at, a, at an American Muslim Advisory Council, and they'll be providing input on how civil rights can be violated by those who post inflammatory documents targeted at Muslims in social media. So they're going to be monitoring social media, looking for targets to go after. I mean, it's unconscionable that this is the America that you and I grew up in, and what we're seeing is violations of our rights in every respect. The Supreme Court decision yesterday, where you can now be, uh, where, where it is lawful for, and, and this is not lawful, but for all intents and purposes, the Supreme Court is now uh, dictating that Law enforcement can take your DNA after something as simple as arrest. You have no conviction. You haven't even been to a trial yet, and they have the right to take your DNA. That is so outside the scope of the Fourth Amendment uh, protections that are afforded to us by the Constitution that it is beyond the concept of acceptable. Uh, there's no excuse for that. I mean, I get it if you're convicted, and even then I have serious concerns about it. But when no. you're talking about people who can be arrested for something as simple as protest, I mean, you, you know, you're at a protest in Washington, and you get arrested, and suddenly they can take your DNA. That's incredible. And, and, and what, well, this is and they this announce is... what they're going to do with it, Jay. Is they're going to use it to try to solve prior crimes, cold mm. case crimes. So here you've got, you know, now now you so your DNA will be splashed all over while they're trying to solve, you know, a rape that occurred five, ten years ago, or a murder that may have occurred half a century ago. Who the heck knows? But I mean. Yeah. This kind of thing where they're building dossiers on Americans is just one more uh, step in the road towards tyranny. And personally, I believe we've actually fallen off the cliff and we're in free fall at this point. But that's I, I, I have another. to agree with you. I mean, I mean, this is a this is police state stuff. This is no this is dictate this is dictatorships stuff. And the, you know, but First Amendment rights. I mean, let's go to that one because that is the most important one of all, even if, you know, and, and what you're trying to do on your show, you are allowed so far because you haven't become, I guess, so big and important yet that, you, uh, that, that, that they've shut you up. But it seems to me that the mainstream media is not addressing these issues. I mean, there was once upon a time when the left was concerned about these sort of libertarian issues, these issues of, of, uh, of liberty. Uh, First Amendment rights, and I can remember, you know, the um, uh, the organization uh, that was so in favor of uh, uh, the civil libertarians that that you know from the left side of the political spectrum the still ACLU, yeah. the ACLU still defended the rights of 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 of, of Nazis to 
uh, of the Nazi party to express themselves because they understood at that time that if they took their rights away, then everybody else's rights would be taken away. It seems to me Americans have forgotten the fact that if if one person is, uh, you know, if, if an injustice is done to one person, it's a threat to all of us. Well, you know, a perfect example of that is these folks that were signing a card saying thank you to the IRS for investigating Tea Party and, and uh, conservative groups. Now, with all due respect to those folks, obviously they, they have no critical thinking skills whatsoever because mm-hmm. the simple truth is that while it may be targeted today at conservatives, who, would have, who will it be targeted against tomorrow? Yeah. And, you know, the, the idea of a totalitarianistic government doesn't really care what your political ideology is. Right now you're a pawn. And once they have, you know, seized complete power... They don't really care who you supported back then. Right now, you're just one more of the sheeple in the pack. You're just another right. subject. And so, you know, the idea of, of allowing uh, massive dossiers to be built on individuals and companies and industries and uh, movements is just unconscionable. I don't care what side of the political fence you're on. Well, and, where, is, know, where, where is the legal system to protect us of those rights that are built into the Constitution? Where the heck are those guys? Well, you know, and it's interesting you bring that out, because let's be honest, the one and only exclusive purpose, and our founders told us this in no uncertain terms, the only reason government exists is to protect those rights that we have been delic- or have been outlined and delineated for us in the Constitution. They're not right. given to us by government. They're given to us no. by God and nature's God. Exactly. And That's exactly once right. We, once we have uh, enabled those rights to be dictated to us by government, anything they give us, they can take away. And right. the problem, of course, with that is that, you know, it's, they're, they're finding it, that these folks on the left are finding it acceptable to say, it's okay for you to do this now, but that what they don't realize is that they're signing their own death warrant in the, in the process. Right. Because our demise is their demise, ultimately. And the truth is, let's be honest, they're not the ones that are out there putting themselves on the line financially, legally, and, and you know, from a freedom perspective, to, to preserve that which they benefit from. Right. So they're fighting against the, the same group that's actually protecting them, which is, you know, it's kind of unconscionable to me. I, well, it's, know, it's, it's ignorance on the part of... Yeah, well, it, I mean, it, look, the liberal left, right, you've got gays out there who support uh, Sharia law, but yet the, under Sharia law they'd be killed. Uh, who, who'd have thunk? Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, but... Well, yeah. Hey, I have to ask you before we... Is, before we get into this issue of impeachment and and the the logic behind it, um, I want to ask you: Do you are you familiar with a person named Dr. James Garrow by any chance? Yes, you do know of him uh, of Pink Pagoda. Yes. He, was, I know he was. I don't know him, but I know of okay. him. Okay, okay. Well, I've had him on my show, and I I want to run this what he told me past you and see if if it makes any sense to you or if you believe it's, 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 um, it, it's possible. What Dr. Garrow said uh, was, in fact, he was on uh, a YouTube, and that's how I found, uh, his, uh, found out about him. He was talking about how a litmus test that is now being put before senior military officers is that if commanded by the commander-in-chief to fire on Americans, they would do so. Uh, no, and, no, no, and uh, you know, I brought this up. I, you know, I brought this up with with various military men. I've not. I was never in the military, but uh, that in fact your allegiance is to the Constitution of the United States, not to the president, right? I beg I beg to differ with you. That's where that's where most Americans are making a mistake. 
Oh, really? Don't, okay. You're not aware of this. Since the 1970s, enlisted men have not sworn an oath to the Constitution, but an oath to the Commander-in-Chief. Oh. Only the senior executive military signs uh, an oath of affirmation to the Constitution. And those that have been questioned under this litmus test, who have stated that they will not, they will not fire upon Americans, are being released from duty. There have been a, 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 about six different upper-level, and we're talking about generals that are running AFRICOM, like General Ham, uh, and, and these, these individuals are being released from duty and literally retired out for their admonition that they will not sign this uh, declaration. And the, the enlisted men in the, in the military in the United States, since the mid-'70s, have not been swearing an oath of allegiance to the Constitution, but an oath of allegiance to the commander-in-chief. And if you have to ask who that is at this point, boy, oh, boy, are they in trouble. Yeah. So, well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, you weren't aware of that. And, and I think oh. most Americans are not. That's part of the problem, is that, you know, Americans are really, you know, for, for whatever reason, they're more interested in what color the bra is that Kim Kardashian is wearing than what's right. going on around them. I mean, our nation is coming apart at the seams, and it is moving at a, at a, at a lightning-fast pace of late. Um, every day, you will see a new step in the direction of tyranny and totalitarianism. And I have to tell you, what, what they're planning for us is so greatly, uh, or, or, or so overshadows anything that the world has ever known historically. Never before have they had the ability, as any government, had the ability to institute the types of surveillance and dossier development and the, the knowledge and insight into individuals and their thought process mm-hmm. that, that, that our government currently has today. I mean, no, you can't even whisper in secret anymore because your cell phone is actually a listening device. And most Americans don't even recognize their phone, even when it's off, can be turned on remotely. This is not my stuff. I mean, I know people out there listening will be like, this guy's wearing a tinfoil hat. Trust me, I'm telling you, go Google it for yourself, folks, and, and find out what you don't know, because what you don't know will endanger your life. Well, I'm afraid uh, I'm, afraid I'm, I'm in, in agreement with what you're saying. I wish I could say I, 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 I think you're crazy, but I think you're truthful. I think what you're saying is absolutely right, I'm, I'm, unfortunately. I, uh, I, you know, but let's get to this impeachment issue now. Can that save us? I mean, this is one issue. I met up with Judge Napolitano a couple of weeks ago here in New York, and I expect to have him on my show sometime in the near future. But, you know, he was talking to me a little bit about some of these scandals that have come up, the Benghazi thing and the and the IRS scandal, and he says, you know, I think that this president could go the way of Richard Nixon, and if so, rightly so, is what Judge Napolitano said. So do you think, do you think that's a possibility? I, I do think there's a possibility in there, but there's a couple of problems with the whole process of impeachment here. One, uh, recognize that while impeachment begins in the House, with the articles of impeachment begun through the, re- the representatives in the House, after, after they have voted to move the impeachment forward, it then goes to the Senate, where a two-thirds majority has to approve of an impeachment and find the president guilty of whatever the charges may be. Yeah. In addition to that, the, the judge who sits as the judge for that in the case of a president is, would be Roberts, who is the Supreme Court Chief Justice. Oh, geez. And so, you've, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about the fixes in, right, here you've got the Supreme Court Chief Justice, who is already sided with the Obamacare, you know, issue, yeah. and really, quite frankly, bent the law to accomplish that. And you'd have to get 
a two-thirds majority of the Senate to approve of the impeachment process. Not to mention the fact that impeachment does not necessarily mean a president is removed from office. Mm-hmm. It can mean something as simple as censure. And, yeah. and while it can result in a president being removed from office, it is not a criminal or a civil charge. The original concept of impeachment was simply to cease the dangerous activity that that individual was doing that mm-hmm. was against the best interest of the nation. Yeah. And so, you know, from a logistics perspective, that's a, whole, that's a whole process that would have to be gone through. And I'll be honest, I don't know we get to have the votes in the Senate, you know, just on an ideological platform to be able to pull that off. Right. Secondarily, the issue of Benghazi is a very, very complex one. If the truth ever outs, and they can get enough whistleblowers to come out and, and, and release the fact that this was really far, far deeper than anything that has been addressed in public. I mean, this was really about Stinger missiles. That's, that's what this is. This is an arms deal. It's the Iran-Contra affair all over again under a new administration. Mm. And if the public can ever get wind of that, um, then, you know, there may be some... But here's the problem. Your Republicans are just as complicit as the Democrats in that. And so they're not absolutely still that to launder that, you know, in the public eye. Uh, the, the issue of the IRS is a completely different story. And the IRS may have a greater chance of impeachment, but I have to tell you, if there's one thing that this administration's adept at, it's separating themselves from any finger-pointing that could be done by insiders. perfect example is Benghazi itself. The president evacuated the room and was nowhere to be found for some, what, seven or eight hours. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, ordinarily, every move the president does is tracked. I mean, the guy can't have a sandwich without somebody recording it. And right. yet, no one's willing to talk about where he was or who communicated with him or under what circumstances. And they'll simply claim executive uh, privilege to provide or to prohibit having that information come out. But what that really did was it gave him plausible deniability so that if this missile issue, an arms issue, ever does come out, he can say, hey, I'd had no, I had no knowledge of that. Mm. And it all falls back on whom? Hillary. Right. So well, so you know, so so the president's about the only person in the country that doesn't have constant surveillance on him. I guess. <laughs> Actually, he does. But since he's the leader of the group, I guess it's okay. <laughs> What's he going to do? Target himself? I mean, yeah. He's you know. Uh, but but listen, the simple truth is, uh, and and this isn't me saying this. This is the NSA literally coming out and telling you now. And, you know, for years, while you and I grew up, there was all this talk of Echelon and Carnivore and all these things. Let me tell you, they now publicly come right out and say, we're monitoring everything. We're monitoring social media, your telephone calls, your faxes, your communications, what you watch on television, your health care records. All of this is open monitoring. And this NSA facility they're building in Utah, 17 acres in size. 17 football fields, I'm sorry, 17 football fields inside, is one of about 25 of these facilities peppered around the United States. What these are are gigantic hard drives. The NSA has come out and said that they can build a dossier on every American with every communication that you've ever made for about $300 per person. Wow. Do the math on that, Jay. That's the rounding error on the Senate's lunch bill last year. That's, that's, that's absolutely right. Plus, they have unlimited resources. They print money with uh, endless abandon. Um, yeah, this is, this is, um, this is not very, uh, this is, uh, you know, the name of my show is Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, I don't I know you, how I what you're telling me can point me in anything like good times until we go on to the next world, perhaps. Well, there are, there are two things that we can do. 
one, we can continue to fight along the lines that we've been doing because we never give up hope. The secondary issue that we can do is massive, peaceful, civil disobedience. And when I say massive, I'm talking 25 million Americans literally go to Washington and say, we're camping here and we're not leaving until you do. I wrote, a, I wrote an article called 90 Days That Will Change the World, and it's gotten a lot of coverage. It's gotten thousands and thousands of YouTube hits. It's gone viral. You can t- toggle 90 Days that will, that will Change the World in America's Voice Now, and your, your listeners will find it. Basically, okay. it's a plan that states on July 4th, we need to collectively go to D.C. and say, we're not leaving until you do. We're not angry. We're not unpeaceful. We're not being, we're not being uh, an armed revolutionary group. What we're saying is that we're going to freeze commerce and starve this beast. And we're going to not leave here until you do, and we're going to reelect congressional candidates that truly and accurately represent and reflect the constitutional principles that this nation was founded upon. Until that happens, Jay, we're done. Well, it would be an appropriate time to do it because I've really believed that uh, the very things that our founders fought against and risked their lives for back in 1776 uh, we have now lost, and that we are right back to pretty much where we were before. We don't have time. My engineer is telling me we only have a minute left. But I wanted to ask you, and maybe you can just give one quick brief answer to this. It seems to me that it's bigger than the president, that there are some powers behind the throne, the people that set up the Federal Reserve, because in my view, the Federal Reserve is ultimately the enabler, or let's say dishonest money. That, or Jay, Here's who it is, the Council on Foreign Relations. Follow the money back. It's the Council on Foreign Relations. Have your listeners do their homework. I'll be happy to come on and give you a whole show about the Council on Foreign Relations. It is the most deleterious group that has ever been in power, and they control all the strengths. Well, we certainly have heard about the Council of Foreign Relations before. G. Edward Griffin has been on this show. He's talked about them, the people that founded the Federal Reserve, very much connected to the CFR. So I, I would look forward to having you back on again sometime, Michael, because I think there's lots of things you have to uh, to pass along to us. Uh, maybe just one quick minute, if you could just tell us the source of information uh, w- with regard to that issue on the military and what the people are being confined to. Is that is that broadly available? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I can, I'll can i be more than happy to send you an email on it. I probably don't have the time to pull it up right now because I didn't. I okay, excellent. Do that. Do I that. I promise you I will send that to you. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Michael. I look forward to Thank talking you so to you much. again. And also, uh, your website or people that can listen to the show, what's the name of the show again is what? It's, it's americasvoicenow.org. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash americasvoicenow and youtube.com forward slash americasvoicenow. And all your shows are on YouTube. Thank you very much, yes, Michael, for being Thank with us so today. Much, all right. Take care. All the best. Right. Folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with Chris Kerr. Uh, he's going to talk to us about how the administration, uh, the Obama administration, has crashed the Tea Party. Don't go away. We'll be right back uh, with this former FBI agent, now defense attorney, Chris Kerr. Sandgold is an aggressive gold company operating in Manitoba, Canada, a top-ranked gold mining region. 
Sandgold's most recent gold discovery, the Shoreline Basalt Mining Unit, is already in production at more than 75,000 ounces per year. And Sandgold continues to pursue nearby targets within one of Manitoba's most prospective gold mining trends, the Rice Lake Gold Belt. Discover the potential at Sandgold. Trading symbol is SGRCF on the OTCQX and SGR on the Toronto Exchange. Visit our website at www.sandgold.ca.